Amen. You guys can have a seat. Thank you again for being here this morning. Um, does it ever just feel good that you've been listened to? Like you feel you've been heard. You know that someone has taken your needs into consideration and then and they've done something about it. Does that feel good? Well, I've got some good news for you. Those of you that are challenged by gluten, even today I have one package of Girl Scout gluten-free cookies. Isn't that just that's like a movement? Of the Lord for some of I mean, there's some people that are happy, and then some people are like, what? Like, why Why would they invest that time and energy? Well, that's, that's because we have a different kind of cookie for you, okay? Um, thank you again for being here. Uh, want to let you know about a couple things that are going to be going on um, over the next couple of weeks, so you can take um, every, part of, every part in it that you can. Uh, first of all, we are going to be doing several child dedications over the next two Sundays. We've got one family that's going to be doing it today. Uh, we've had several other families to opt in for next Sunday. Um, we're going to be talking about, we're still, for the next two weeks, we're going to be wrapping up our series on goals, and then we're going to have a resource out for you just to kind of really review all that stuff. We're not going to spend a sermon reviewing it, but we're going to have all that information out so you can just really continue to look at those things and pray over those things. Um, but as we're in this passage for the next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to be looking at um, our goal of making disciples, and, and a big part of that is with parents, uh, parenting. Um, so we're going to be praying over those families over the next couple of weeks. Um, so while you're in the services, if, if you're in or you're out, please um, stay connected the best you can. We will have, I think, one or two families doing it during our 1045 service. Um, so we'll be kind of putting those names together and sending them out to you so that you can have those names to really be praying over through this season because these are, these are families that are part of our church that are really coming forward to say, you know, at this early stage of our kids' lives, we want to make sure that, that our walk with Christ is genuine and growing, and we want to invite in really a family of believers around us to partner with us on that um, and to be part of that. So we're going to have that um, at the end of our service, and, and that will go in a similar way next week, so you kind of see how that's going to go. Also, um, next week, we're going to have an opportunity to pray over something together as a church. Um, we had a uh, leader meeting, elders and our staff, a little over a month ago, um, and one of the things that was uh, really brought up in that meeting, um, specifically by one of our staff, Dale, who is our worship leader, um, he expressed really a need in his life um, about uh, really taking a season of sabbatical, a season of rest and restoration. Um, he brought that up, and he explained to us there's really been about two periods in his life, in his ministry, um, that he really felt like he needed that, and uh, during those times, that opportunity really wasn't carved out specifically and strategically. Uh, so we've taken some steps to do that and really lay out a strategic plan. He, um, we've looked at his um, everything from job description and kind of scheduling everything and, and, and talked to him, and he's expressed that it's not about um, the weight of regular responsibility or uh, the lack of designated days to get kind of regular rest, uh, but it has become something that's been a culmination of a number of years. Uh, so we have uh, really set up basically a strategy. And we'll be giving you a little bit more details about how that, what all that looks like next week and, and dates and different things. It will be starting March 1st, uh, so we're going to take next Sunday between our worship session and the sermon. Um, he's going to be on stage um, inviting our elders, uh, deacons, um, uh, the praise team that he serves immediately with, um, just to stand around him and pray with him. Uh, we'll be doing that in both of our services. Our whole church family is really able to kind of hear, um, hear those details and, and pray over him. Um, and you will also hear kind of some goals for not just him, but, um, but as our church family um, allows and kind of carves out time uh, for someone to be away, uh, we, know that, we know that there'll be a shared responsibility and those kind of things, so uh, we want you to be able to pray for him well 
and, uh, and through that whole time. So that's going to begin on March 1st, um, and it'll be going for a number of weeks after that. So we'll, we'll have the rest of those details for you next week. Um, I will ask if you do have any questions. I know he's got several things that he's prepping and setting up over this next week especially. Uh, so if you have any questions about what that looks like, the specific goals of it, um, would invite you to come talk to me. Uh, Chris Trogdon, also Forest Golf, two of our elders, uh, we've been working, they've been working with me on setting that up. Uh, really just the goal of being able to return uh, with that kind of spiritual and, and, and mental health to be able to really kind of just jump in and engage because um, we know we're going into a season of a lot of growth for our church and a lot of opportunity, a lot of things to do. Uh, so we want to be busy, busy, busy about kingdom work and really investing, uh, investing in people. So uh, be praying over that. Um, like I said, today we're going to be in, um, the, well, I didn't say this already. This is new information. Um, mainly Gospel of John, chapter 17, but we're going to start a little bit in 16. John chapter 17 is really, uh, I mean, you know, and I just want to make sure that we are clear on this. When, when you think back to, um, to original writing, as the Holy Spirit inspired this word that we have um, through the penmanship, through the authorship of people, um, it, it wasn't written with chapters. Uh, chapters are organization in, in, a transla- in, a, in a translation process that give us some order to kind of see how things um, can kind of make sense in our mind. They're, they're there as study tools, in fact. So 17 itself is a chapter that is a prayer of Jesus from practically from the first verse to the last verse. It's, it's one singular prayer. But it's a prayer that comes out of a conversation that Jesus has with his disciples that takes place in chapter 16. Now, <clears throat> I told you that really the next couple of weeks, we're going to be on this goal of um, really what, what does it look like to be committed to making disciples. And that, that's one of our goals as a church, not as a whole church body together through ministries like um, our, like right now, our, I, I peeked in, I needed to ask my oldest son. Um, he, he volunteers in middle school ministry on Sunday morning. And um, I love the fact, parents, if you're wondering right now, is my middle schooler under control? That room is amazing right now. They are listening. Um, they're focused. Um, Ethan's teaching to them right now. Um, I, I'm not just talking about discipleships on a corporate level like that. I'm talking about what all of us can be engaged in on a regular basis. Um, this is not, I, and, and here's the thing, I, when I say that it's a goal, I almost hesitate putting it in the goal list because it's not, in fact, a goal, it's a command. And a lot of my Christian life, I've been busy about church work at different times, but, but when I really read the depth of Jesus saying, there, there is a, there's a structure and there's a, there's a mode of operation that I'm really building this kingdom with, and, and it's going to be life-on-life discipleship. There's been seasons, even as a church staff member, that I've looked at my life and gone, man, I have been super busy. But really, truly, how many, how many lives for the kingdom have grown because God's allowed me to have a direct investment? And I'll be honest with you, it, it gets easy sometimes for us to say, and you, there's a word, um, it's the B word, busy. Now, some of y'all thought of another word. We're going to give y'all a chance to confess that at the end of the service. But um, it, the word is busy. And so many times we use busy to be an excuse. Right now, right now, um, I'm in the last few months of my oldest son's high school career. I'm internalizing a lot of tears right now. And, and there has been no shortage of things that have required my time, even in the last few weeks, that I've looked at and even grown a frustration with to go, this should not, I shouldn't have to do this right now. This is, this is insane that i got to spend my time on this thing. 
Because busyness will creep in at some of the most critical moments of our life. And one of the things I find that it often attacks is our ability and our time and our our strategy to intentionally shape lives for Jesus Christ. Now, with these messages, here's here's the number one thing that I'm going to ask of you. Um, Now, there's a lot that's assumed that I'm asking, like listening. Um, Staying awake. You know who you are? Just kidding. Um, There's a lot of things that are assumed when we come to church together. But, but here's one that I really want to make sure is clear. When we talk about discipleship, we all have had um, time gone by that we can't go regain. So when we talk discipleship, let's agree together that we will not allow the discouragement of guilt from what we haven't done to create a fear and, and limit us from moving forward in what God is calling us to do. And, and, and I say that as much for myself as you because, I mean, I, I, I've got three sons that, that some days just like, look like moving targets, right? They just keep getting older, and, and, and it's very quick for me to go, man, like, look, at, look at some of these gaps of time that I've missed. Friendships that we've had with people, friends that we've had that now are living far from the Lord, and, and we want to just take on blame for that and say, man, if I had have whatever, so let's set that aside and really just look at, and, and the reason why I want to look at this passage today is, this is, this is Jesus. Um, it, he is the one that we are called to learn. That was Remember, that was one of our first goals, one of our first couple goals. We're, we're, we're called to learn him. We're called to imitate him. We're called to be him, not just, um, not just into the lives of the people immediately around us, but anybody, as we're going to look at, in this, at these passages, that the Lord gives us. And, and there's going to be some verses over two weeks. We're going to, there's going to be some things that we're going to look at, and, and, and here's one of them, and we won't get here today, but the, just, well, we, we'll touch on it. The stewardship of people. Many times, the massive number of people that we're connected with really bogs us down from, from being deeply intentional with just the ones that we're entrusted with. We'll be around more people than we'll just be entrusted with. So we're, we're, going, to, we're going to go into this passage really to see We're going to see Jesus. We want to learn how he learns. Um, Today, really, we're going to be talking to ourselves as people who will be responsible for life-on-life discipleship. And and next week, this is the gear that we're going to shift. Next week is going to really be aimed at how do we then begin to really think of others and prepare others for the the mission that they're going to be on because life-on-life discipleship doesn't stop when, when one person is kind of neatly cleaned up. They're just simply repurposed and, and, and re-engineered to say, okay, now whatever you've received, what you've experienced and walked through, now go do as, as we replicate this process. So we're going to start in verse 31 of chapter 16. Now, um, Jesus has been talking to his disciples, and, and he's a lot, a lot of Jesus' teaching. If you've, ever been, if you've ever been in a relationship with someone, and some days you're just like, I, I don't understand them. They speak in this language that doesn't make sense. This would probably be the mindset that most of us husbands are in a lot of times, right, guys? Like, you're nodding because you're going, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, like, there's words and there's meaning, and, and, I, and I see a look of frustration. And I know that look of frustration is for me, but, but I just, I can't, I like, nobody's given me the dictionary yet, like the, the book of translations, right? And some of you wives are even smiling like, yeah, you have no clue. I, and again, you're right, I don't, because I'm a guy. Jesus many times taught parables and, and with less that he needed to explain. But in this passage, he, he just, he, it's very plain and clear to the point that the disciples go, 
We have no problem understanding you right now. This is as clear as it can get. And he's saying stuff like, hey, listen, there's, there's coming a time where you're going to be able to pray directly to God yourself. And you're going to do it in my name. And, and this isn't me praying for you. This is you and your own relationship with him. And, he, and he's speaking to them like this. And they're responding, man, with belief and trust. But he's also getting ready to kind of share with them some things that, that um, they're, they're tough conversations. But, but they really frame not just um, how they should feel, but it really helps us understand how do we really begin this, this process of discipleship. Uh, verse 31, Jesus responded to them, Do you now believe? Indeed, an hour is coming and has come when each of you will be scattered to his own home. And you will leave me alone, yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Th- this, this conversation, this prayer is very close to Jesus' arrest. And, and again, when you think of the beginning of a, of a faith movement, Christianity began with Jesus, the central leader, supported by a group of disciples. And, and when it got rough, immediately they just left. I mean, they absolutely abandoned him. Now, Jesus spent a little over three years teaching, investing, um, walking from city to city having hours and hours and hours of conversation. They walked by foot together. We, we've talked about this before. Over 3,100 miles. They did about that, num- that amount of mileage just on foot. So even as they're walking, they're, they're having conversations. He has spent probably time commitment that we, we, would have a, we would really have trouble even matching in our lives, even imagining that we could be that close with somebody. He spent that kind of time with them. And, and, and this isn't just... A great teacher. This isn't just a good dad. This is God in the flesh. This is, this is the one who has done this discipleship process perfectly. And what he tells them is, is look, there, there's, there's getting ready to be a moment in time where there will be, there's going to be some difficulty. And, and, it, and it's going to be to the point that your reaction is going to be leave rather than stay. But did you notice what Jesus is grounded in, even knowing that they would abandon him? He says, you're going to leave me alone. And, and, and I love the way he phrased that, because you know what he doesn't say in that? He, he, he never says to them, I'm going to leave you alone. He said, you're going to be the one that walks away from me. You're going to be the one that moves. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, right? We, we, we believe in that in Scripture, which, which means this, that there's still no time where he leaves me or leaves you. He's not the one leaving. It, it, I may walk in unfaithfulness away from him. I may create distance and sin between Jesus and myself. You may also make that same decision. But Jesus isn't the one leaving. But Jesus is grounding in, grounded in what? That, that he is, in fact, not alone that it is the Father that's always with him. So, so the comfort and the peace that is needed, even in the most difficult times for him as the disciple maker, is, is grounded in the presence and the assurance that the Father is with him. Which, which means this. Our effectiveness as disciple makers cannot be judged by on singular decisions of those you disciple. So why do I say that? Because there's many people who believe in Jesus Christ. 
and, and faithfully seek to follow him and, and are in relationships, sometimes marriages, sometimes it's the fact that they're a parent, sometimes it's sibling, it, it work, there, there's a lot of different relationships that we engage in where, where as Christians you may pour your time, energy, and the truth of God's word into someone, yet decisions don't match the call of God's word. And as disciple makers, if, if we are just affirmed in the fact that somebody um, lives better than they did before, we're on shaky ground, y'all. I mean, really, as, as a parent, I, I, I've been blessed. I, I joke at this, and I'm going to say this, and I realize this is on the Internet, so my, the, whatever counselor my children are going to speak to in the future, you're welcome for all the work that I gave you. Um, my oldest son is a very responsible kid. Very responsible. Um, he's even had a chance to do some um, work for some folks in the church. They've been kind to pay him for that work. And, and typically what I hear back is, man, like he did amazing. Like he came out and I mean he was, we, I didn't have to stay on top of him. He was, and, and, and I, I, I look at that and I'm like, man, that, that is incredible. And, and there's, a, there's a pride part of me as a dad that almost wants to go, yep, he's mine. But then I look at my other two. If you ever come in my house, um, you'll know which door we enter in all the time. Not because, you know, it's a the paint's a little bit more worn or you see us going in and out. If you just find the door that has the shoe, the right shoe, the left shoe, the socks, the book bag that you just stepped over, uh, like, that's, that's, that's my youngest. He's the baby. So, now, I can tell you what you never find in that same strip. My son, my oldest son's stuff, it is neatly put away in his room. Self-confession, he has the actual cleanest room in the house. Okay, so, so there I see two differences. So, okay, so how good of a dad am I if I base it on what their, some of their individual decisions are? Am I a good dad because I got one that's super responsible or does the lack of self-discipline in my other sons tell me that I'm not doing a good job? You see what I'm saying? And, and, and that's what we have to understand. Hey, listen, if, if, you are, if you are discipling somebody and they, and they choose to just, like, really in a moment, it looks like they are going the absolute wrong way, that doesn't mean that you have failed because as a disciple maker, it is critical for us to evaluate the right things. And Jesus in that moment says, well, what am I evaluating? I am evaluating the presence and the power of the Father to allow me to continue in what I'm here to do, not in what I've seen in these folks' reactions in this moment. And that's tough. Because we're, look, we're people, we're looking for affirmation. But our, our commitment to make disciples is going to have to be more firm than the shaky decisions sometimes our kids make, or sometimes our spouses make, or sometimes our siblings or friends make. Verse 33, it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Well, that, that's odd because you just said, Jesus, they're, they're going to leave you alone. They, they, they all of a sudden look like the ones that are going to do something that's really not approved by you. This isn't going to be the right reaction. Jesus' call in discipleship is always back towards a restored relationship. He says, yes, I'm acknowledging. In fact, I'll even predict the mistake that you're going to make. I will tell you exactly what you're going to do. But in me, you still can find 
peace. And that's tough because um, it's very easy to get disappointed in and frustrated with people. So to be a disciple maker, it takes a, I mean, it takes a resolve that, it, that it's not just this person that's in your life, but it's, it's a call of God. Because Jesus is getting ready to talk about just that, that, his, that, that his whole identity is in the fact that he fulfilled the work that the Father had given him. And, and, and again, that there, is, um, there is satisfaction, there is affirmation that you, I promise you, as a parent, as a spouse, um, as a friend, as, as any of those roles that are functional disciple makers, there is a satisfaction that you can find and a peace that you can find in, in it being just the work that the Father has given you, even over above some of the results that you see. Because it's still not just you, it's still not just me, it's still a part of all that God is doing. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I have conquered the world. Jesus frames for them um, that there will be difficulty, but in that difficulty there can be peace. And, And even against that difficulty, he ultimately wins in the end. Now, on one hand, when I read this, I'm just... I'm really geared towards this is not, this can't be the easiest conversation to have. If you're Jesus, you know the work that you're about to do, and you know that, yes, it is true. He, he is getting ready to step out of their lives physically, but because of the Holy Spirit being Jesus into them, he's, he's going to return to their lives spiritually, but, but he knows their comfort has been in his presence. So he's got to be honest with them. He's got to be truthful with them. He's got to to be encouraging to him. There's got to be that mixture, that perfect blend of conversation when he speaks to him in this discipleship process. So what does this really mean for us? Um, I would phrase phrase it this way, um, that we must see gospel purpose in tough conversations or we might never have them at all. When when Jesus looks at these guys, he, he sees not just their mistake, but he sees that God is God's hand is on their life. And ultimately, ultimately, he is building them to be foundational blocks of this new church that Jesus is establishing. And, and that's, that's a unique thing, because, I, mean, I mean, think about this. You're, you're looking deep into somebody's life, and you're going, okay, I know what God is up to. And in light of that, I've got to speak to you that way, despite what may be going on right now. Many times, many, many, many times, when I, when I sit down with a couple and there is division, there's strife in the marriage, so many times a, a couple is looking at each other and, and nobody denies that on the wedding day it was magical, it was romantic, but there have been seasons and there have been events that have brought them to a place where there is, there is firm conflict between them. And, and they come into a counseling session because somewhere in their mind, there, there, there's better out there. But it's not uncommon to hear somebody say, I, I know that there exists better, but, but right now, this is all I can see. And again, that, that, that's not uncommon. And I, I don't look at those people and think that you're just, you're, you're, you're a bad person, you lack faith, you, you lack something because of where you're at. No, in fact, the the fact that they're in that room means that there is faith present. But it does. It takes, 
it takes a discipline and it takes a, an evaluation process to, to, to be close to somebody, to invest in their life and say, okay, I have to stop many times to, to look for God's greater call on them, on us, on whatever the relationship is supposed to be, so that we constantly measure against that because, man, just the frustrations of the moment and the season will want us to just simply go, right? And, and, and Jesus shows us this discipline. I mean, I mean, just right. You, I mean, you know the events. He's 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 looking at someone that's going to betray him around this around this Last Supper table. But yet he then he doesn't just feed them. He doesn't just say, "All right, here's the blessing. God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for this food. Eat, you miserable sinners." He just he just bends down and starts washing feet as a servant to just show just. That, that, that they need to lower their egos and their pride to, to a level just to love people. And, and again, all that is framed in this, I mean, Jesus says it. You're going to leave me alone. You're going to leave me alone. Um, there's, a, there's a conversation that um, my wife and I had, and I, and I tell you oftentimes, there's a level that my wife can speak into my life that, that nobody else can, number one, because nobody wants to spend that amount of time around me like she does. Honestly, she's great. Many people agree with that, but then doesn't that kind of make you also think, eh, she might be kind of weird, right? Like if she desires that, okay? So, so she has more time around me than anybody else does, but also I've seen her walk, and I, will, I listen to her probably as well or better than I listen to anybody else in my life because I've seen her walk with Christ. And we were talking um, on Friday afternoon about a, a couple things just kind of that have been going on and, and, and just, man, we were just kind of looking for a breakthrough in a couple of areas. And there was a couple of families we were really praying over because we knew that they were hurting. And, and just really clearly, she says, you know, she says, I've, been, I've been reading this book. And she said, I just really want to remind you. She said, um, you're not saved from trouble. You're saved for it. Now, she knew that I was grieved over some things. And that couldn't have been an easy thing to say to me in the moment if she just wanted me to feel better. But she realized that God was hopefully going to use me in a greater way than maybe my emotions were, 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 were living in. And, and she wanted to kind of say, hey, I, I want to I encourage you towards something. I want to remind you of something. And that was not the easiest thing because, we, I mean, that's when we think of the word saved, that's what we think. We like, right, get rescued. If somebody's drowning, rescue them, save them, get them out of the water, out of the struggle. But in fact, the gospel tells us that, that the peace of Jesus is so great that we're not just saved from things, we're saved for some trouble as well. To walk through it faithfully, to work with people that need to grow in their faith and need to be all that God has for them and is going to call them to do in their future, whether it's our kids, our friends, our spouse, whoever it is. Chapter 17 starts out with Jesus' prayer. Um, and, and there's going to be a couple of, uh, there's going to be a word glorify that's going to come up and I want to make sure that you know all right so there's there, there's a difference between um, glory and glorify when we think of when we, when we think of those words with God glory means um, God's goodness right like the, it is God's nature it is it is the fact that he is perfect in everything he does and just it, it, it is it is his goodness um, on, on revealed it's his goodness revealed now to glorify him means that we celebrate that goodness. We, we, we give attention to it. We call it out. We, 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 just, we put it out there. We identify it. We claim it. We walk in it. And, and, and that's what we're all about. So as we live our lives as Christians, we're called to glorify 
God, we're called to glorify Jesus, to, to show and reflect his goodness. Um, and, and we're supposed to do that in the lives of all the people that we're called to disciple. So we're gonna, you're going to hear these words, and it's really helpful to kind of make sure that we see them and understand them. Verse 1 says, Jesus spoke these things. He looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you, since you gave him authority over all flesh so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. Now, this is, to me, this is one of the most difficult verses and there's some difficult ones in, in the book of John. And I don't mean difficult to understand. I mean hard for us as the people that benefited from the gospel, that benefit from the gospel, to really take in. In this moment, Jesus doesn't say, hey, Father, give me the attention I deserve. He spent three years healing people, um, turning water into wine, physically multiplying food. He's done signs and wonders over and over and over again so that people could clearly see that he is God in the flesh. Like it's it's I know that they didn't have news, internet, and social media, but but word is spreading, and you would think, you would just think, man, you have seen all these things. How do you not fall on your face and go, This is something that God is doing? And and Jesus at this moment, after having done all those things, walked on water, walked on water, and, and called a disciple, giving him permission to have that kind of faith himself, even though it wasn't in his own power. At this moment, this moment is when Jesus says, now glorify, now, now give me the attention of your goodness. And he, he is going to be given attention, but you realize it came through the cross. The most painful death, capital punishment experience of that day, created by the government that was in control. And, it, and, and this doesn't look like, this doesn't look like goodness. But Jesus in his prayer here is reminding his disciples, he was reminding us that the goodness of God is seen in the fact that he has redeemed us from our sin and given us a relationship with him. And, and, and the goodness of God is seen in what it took, the price that was required to offer that relationship. And it's out of that goodness the, the glorifying goodness of God, the, the, the need for that attention that Jesus is doing all of this. And I, and I, would, I would say on a very real level to us, when, when, we, when we fail to make disciples, when we fail to be life on life invested with the people that God has given us, you won't be able to do it with everybody, but with the people that you are called to do it with, if we aren't faithful in that, we are denying the goodness of God in the gospel. You say, hang on, say, well, no, 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 I, I believe it. Remember what we talked about last week about truly, like, really, truly loving people? It, we, it, the Bible said, First John, you can believe and still not love. It says that you got to know God, you have an intimate relationship with him. And, and we can be believers, we can be saved people and not up to the kingdom's call of making disciples. We can be saved, but we can't be faithful. And for most of us, we, we, you know, we, we want to be faithful Christians. We want to be what we want to be defined as, as, as good parents, good spouses, good co-workers. If we belong to Jesus Christ and we're not making disciples some, with someone somewhere, we, we are outside of, and I've lived outside of, that definition of good and faithful. And it's, it's crazy, right? It's crazy. How, how, would, how would a loving God, a, a, a an all-powerful God, allow for that to exist? It, 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 in, in this way, it does. 
Jesus continues, so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on earth by completing the work that you have gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I have with you, I had with you before the world existed. Jesus says really clearly in prayer to God in front of his disciples, hey, this is eternal life. And it's to know, know you, God, and to know the one you've sent, which is me. So many times we think eternal life is once we leave this world and we go to heaven if we're saved. We think of eternity as what we haven't gotten to yet. Eternal life is, is, is started at salvation, that very first moment. Like, we are living eternal life. And I know some of you are like, well, that was depressing. You did not, you, you don't know what my house looks like. You didn't go through the week that I just went through. How in the world is that eternal life? That's, again, remember, we say this a lot, but that, that's the part of us being saved. That's, that's, that's us being conformed to the image of Christ. And, and, and read the four Gospels. I mean, it, it wasn't super clean for him either, right? But he says this is eternal life. He's, he's, he's pointing them to the kind of life that he wants them to see themselves investing in. Now, when we are active in people's lives, we are communicating, whether we want to admit it or not, the kind of life that we think is really, really important. And, and so here's, here's the thing. Consider, consider if you want to kind of self-evaluate, the people that you feel like you're immediately responsible for. And just kind of in your mind, walk through. Okay, if, if I see me through their eyes, what, does it, what am I communicating in the ways of my life and the words of my mouth that is most significant? Do they hear me about work over and over and over again, and that's all I talk about, and that's all I gripe about, that's all I, that's all I seek, and, and, and everything that we really decide functionally as a family is driven towards like the, the job that I have based on the money that I can receive? Then on some level, if it's our kids, they're probably grabbing onto, hey, like work life. Once I get to that age that my dad is, my mom is, that, that work life is the most significant. If you regularly invest in family time, if you're encouraging in the way that you do it and you prioritize and you actually push other things outside of your schedule to be able to make sure that you're together as a family in, in, in certain environments, then, then they're going to look at that and go, you know what, family is important. This is huge. And, and it takes setting other things aside to be able to spend this kind of time together. Well, with those two examples, we go, man, okay, yeah, I'd... I'd I'd really rather be in that second one. But neither two mention Jesus. Neither two really mention a, a faithful, quiet time with him and a, and, a, and, a, and a seeking to serve others that you're connected with. Jesus is pointing them to what, what, is, what, is, what is the kind of life that you're going to be about. And, and when we look at those that we're really called to disciple, we have to consider, okay, it, it's, it's, what, what kind of life am I, gonna, am I really going to call them to be about? That's, that's helping us to look at their whole life, not just the season that they're in. Because the whole life is going to flow into every single part of what they do and who they are. Verse 6 says, I have revealed your name to the people you have given me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. 
this is the first um, mention, and we're going to talk more about this next week. This is the first mention of this idea of stewardship. You know what stewardship is? Um, it's it's uh, managing something that doesn't truly belong to you in a way that you can present it with a faithful heart to say, for whoever it belongs to, I, I've, I've taken care of this. Uh, most likely some of you steward things with your job. We have a lot of, uh, we have a lot of firemen in our church. Um, I imagine when you do that kind of shift work, I've never been a fireman. You may go, no, yes. <laughs> in fact, I've never been a hero, not even once. Um, the family that we're going to have up here today, uh, Kevin is a fireman. And as I talk to these guys, and, and, and I imagine you've got this one building that a shift leaves and a shift comes in. And I have to imagine when, when, with that facility and those trucks and everything that belongs to the fire department in the city, and, and they're called to kind of keep up with it, if, if you come in after them and, and you see just obvious neglect, then, then you're going to look at that and go, come on, this, like, you can't leave this like this. This isn't yours to, to, to kind of make that decision. That, that they are constantly kind of charged with this, this, this thing of, okay, I, I, I shepherded this well, I took care of this, I, I stewarded this resource and it still functions when I hand it back off, when I represent it the next shift, and it's still going to work to save lives and help with that, um, we, we really do handle people that we disciple the same way. It's not just us that's, that's in control of their life. This is someone that the Lord has said, here, I'm going to be up to a work, but I, I want to I intertwine your hands in this as well. I'm, I, like I told you, I'm at a season of life where I've got a, I've got a son that's getting ready to turn 18 and, and I'm seeing this maturity come in. I'm seeing this desire in him that, that hasn't often been there in his life to really kind of seek out more that is away from us than is, that is centrally with us. And I've been very much reminded that there, there's going to be some level of presentation that, that I'm going to need to make of him to go, hey, th- th- this, is, this is the time that I've had. This is the time that I've had, and, and, and here he is, Lord. You trusted me with these years, and, and, and God, through your faithfulness, and I, and I pray my faithfulness, here's how he's equipped to now go and handle something, and, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm, um, I'm fully satisfied with the job that I've done. But I do understand stewardship. Like I said, no guilt, no, no, no clinging onto that, just what, what can be done now. It's the stewardship concept that we're going to look at and how we can functionally um, not, be, um, not be intimidated by that pressure, but actually think of them in a new way. We'll look at a little bit that a little bit more next week. It says, they were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given is, that I, that, um, everything you have given is from you because I have given them the words you gave me. They have received them and have known for certain that I came from you, they have believed that you have sent me. Now, um, the results that come from the disciple-making that Jesus has done sounds incredibly positive. Now, it's going to be framed a little bit next week when we're in the the, the second part of the passage that we're going to be in. We're not going to be in the whole chapter, but we're going to see framed um, that there. Um, it, this doesn't look like all shining success for Jesus, right? We've already, we've already heard um, that at a critical moment, they're just going to run and flee. Like, they're not going to handle every decision well. So we know that his perfect disciple-making didn't always get lived out perfectly in their decisions. But when we read this passage, Jesus is very clear that he has done a transferring process. 
that he is taking what the Lord has given him and he is simply, he, he, hasn't, he hasn't changed it, he hasn't adapted it, he hasn't reshaped it. He's just taking exactly what the Lord has given him and he has handed it over and taught it into the lives of these few that were around him every single day. And, and I, I would encourage you right now to consider your call to make disciples, whether it's with your kids, whether it's with a spouse, whether it's with a friend of yours, whether it's at work or home or family, wherever the environment is, consider the transfer process. We can't transfer what we don't already have. If I have not obtained, I can't transfer. If I have not really received from the Lord wisdom, instruction, even for my own life, I have not enough to transfer. And you know what, you know what typically ends up happening? We, we, we create. We're, we're, we're made in the image of God. God is a creator. And, and there's a tendency inside of us that we want to create advice. Just good moral advice to give our kids. And it, it's solid. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's wrong. But it's something that is um, it's, it's not quite deep enough doesn't have enough meat on the bones if, if the goal is really discipleship. If the goal is to transfer, it's not just us making a disciple, it's us becoming one and growing as one. Some of our goals, even this, this series, uh, one of it has been uh, really to be in a, a spiritually growing community. One of the ways that we're doing that right now with our church is D-Life. And I have noticed in my life, I've noticed in my life with my sons. Now, when, when, when D-Life night comes, I can promise you, everything in the world gets thrown at us. Everything. And some nights, we stop by and we grab food from Chick-fil-A or wherever it is at 4 o'clock, just throw it at our kids. We leave and then we supplement with snacks when we get home or we find that they've eaten every Dorito that we've ever purchased out of the pantry while we've been gone. And you look at that moment and you go, that just doesn't seem like phenomenal parenting. But what I've grown in, and in, in that commitment to the Lord in my own personal walk, I am seeing make regular investments into the three sons that I've got. Because again, some of these things in life are tough conversations. Can I, can I hit on one? Parents, just, just for a second. I just want to hit on one. Um... And I'm not even going to say that I'm doing this for the sake of our student pastor. Um, I, won't, I won't blame him for anything. Um, specifically, parents, we're going to be dedicating our kids, um, some, some kids to the Lord over this next couple weeks. And this week it's going to be with Ashley and Kevin. Um, you're, you're going to need to make decisions when it comes to um, what you involve yourself in and what you involve your kids in. And, and over the years, there's one thing that I've heard that I've just never really been able to... Um, come to peace with. I hear from parents that they don't want to, um, you know, I don't, they, they, they want church, family, Christian involvement to be what their kids desperately seek. And I have found that there's something that goes on in the brains of 12 to 18 year olds that don't just desperately seek that. 
And I'm not going to sit up here and tell you that, that it's an enjoyable thing. And I, I don't want you to live a life where you feel like you're just handcuffing your kids to a car and you're dragging them in somewhere and you're, you're pushing them out and that kind of thing. But I do want to tell you this. As you consider, especially with your kids, and, and this is something we actually have to consider with all people that we're making disciples out of. If we're making disciples, they haven't grown into a full level of maturity yet, which means they may not really own their faith, and it really may not be theirs yet. And sometimes there's a thing of saying, okay, this is what we as a family, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do this ourselves, we're going to own this ourselves, and, and, and we're going we're gonna to model this, and we're going to tell you how important this is, and, and we're going we're gonna to buy in on this, because this is about partnering and discipleship. We, we want to be here with you on this. And whether it's family devotions, whether it's your kids attending student ministry or kids ministry or whatever, we're here as a church to partner with you, and, and, and we want to make fun, exciting, and engaging environments. But, but if we are going to be in spiritual battles together, it just makes sense that there's going to be a thing that's going to come up in mind sometimes where a kid's going to go, I don't want to go. Because you know what? I find it comes up, who else has mind that comes up in sometimes? Grown-ups. It kind of hits us all. The call of God is to make disciples. And if you're having a tough time with, with one of your kids, if, if you know that the resolve is we got to do this and, and we need some encouragement to really establish this as here's what we're going to do because this is important, this is vital, this is a needed connection, don't, don't struggle through that on your own. Come talk to us because my kids have learned church is fun because they get to hang out in the building when nobody's in here and they get to throw footballs across the room. But there's also times where my kids look at me and go, I don't want to go. And it's tough to go, oh, but we're going. We're going. This discipleship journey, if you just heard the modeling that Jesus has put out here, it's not super easy. He did it perfectly. But he's put his spirit inside of us that are saved and he's grouped us together. While we may think we can't measure up with Jesus, we're going to tackle this one together. If you wouldn't mind bow your heads just for a moment as we pray. At the conclusion of my prayer, we're going to have our praise team. They're going to, they're going to lead us in a song. And after that song, we're going to have um, Ashley and Kevin come up and just celebrate with them and pray over them. Over the next couple of weeks, I really, really hope that God sets in your mind not every single person you know, but one, two, three, maybe, maybe as many as 10, 12, maybe, maybe even a couple more. But, but he, he sets in your mind relationships that he has entrusted you with and, his kind of, and, and really shapes and identifies who you're called to be life-to-life -life investing with. Because... Well, number one, we, we got to have a target. We, we, we have to. And, and, and from that, I hope you also begin to identify who you can partner with in that because we're not called to live this life alone and struggle with this life alone. We're, we're, called, to, we're, we're called to partnerships. For some of you with your kids, that may be a spouse. For, for others and, and for spouses, it may be people that we have here serving at church and, and, and being faithful in ministries. Um, it could be friendships that you have here and other places. It, it, it could be a lot of those things. But I, but I hope he really begins to shape my prayers, that he shapes the, the, the target, the faces. He shows you the partnerships. 
And, and, and really, he, he puts into your heart that this is the faithfulness of us really glorifying God, attesting to his goodness. If Jesus is a, is, is a savior to me, then, then that savior is a significant, most, this most significant relationship in my life. It should be the overflow into every aspect of my conversations, the ways of my life, everything. And, and it can't be that significant and, and me not pour that into someone if Jesus, the, the one who has saved me, so clearly said, teach someone, everyone, everything that I've done. Invest life to life. This has to be the biggest thing that we're about. While we work and play and live and go. Those are just the environments. This week, I hope you've seen ways that you can see your disciple making. And I want to invite you back in next week. Whether you're here or whether you're watching online, I want to invite you back in for us to talk about Really, now how do we think about how can we shape lives so that they can then go into the environments that the Lord is going to call them? Father God, thank you so much for your love, your grace, and your mercy. Lord, it is a, it is a specific call on our life for us, Lord, to make disciples. You, you could not have said it more clearly. God, if we're faithful in this area, the people that we love so much will be more faithful with you they'll 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 know the call of God even if they walk away they'll have an anchor to return to they'll have an encourager waiting just as Jesus was after he called out what their future failure would be he came back and said there will still be peace in me Lord will be a peaceful relationship for those that are struggling God, God so many things seem to just start resolving in our mind if we're faithful in this process Lord that 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 people will multiply, faith will grow, the kingdom will be built. God, if we're, just, if we're just in this process that you've already set up. But Lord, this is also going to come with a lot of insecurities and fears. Lord, this will come with a need for us as individuals to grow ourselves so that we can transfer and not create an offer. So Lord, help us within this, God, to, to understand what we're modeling to see the importance of it, God, that, that those that we invest in would escape the mistakes and sins that we've fallen victim to. Lord, that they'll grow closer to you. Because God, if that's what we really want, Lord, if you are, if you are our everything, God, then we will, we will desperately want someone else to walk even just one step closer to you. So God, if, if, if you aren't our everything, God, awaken that in our hearts first. And Lord, help us to just repent to you that we've seeked other things. God, help us to fall on our face before you, seeking you, and finding you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing?